<laughs> First of all, Jose, I gotta give it to you, man. That was pretty good. You wanna talk about addiction, say? You wanna go down that road, Bato Loco? You know what, Holmes? We're going down that road. Well, let's do what we say in Spanish. Vamos a decirlo al Chile. Let's tell it straight up, man. The truth is, Brock, I am an addict. See, Brock, about three years ago, Holmes, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Vato, your home state. That's right, Vato. In the shower, in the locker room. Oh, man, I was high, bro. I was high, high, high. And I don't remember much about that night, I said, but what I do remember, that they carried me out of that arena and they carried me straight into rehab. Let's see, they didn't do that. I did that to myself, Vato. But that was just the beginning of it, I said. Because see, through all that time, bro, through all those three years, not only did I wind up losing my job, I lost my wife, I lost my kids, and I lost myself. I lost my spirit. I disgraced my race, I disgraced my family, and I disgraced myself. But you know what, Brock? I came to a point in my life, I came to a point where it was do or die, Holmes. I had to make a decision. Do or die. And you know what I said? I did. Because I'm here right now. Day by day, by the grace of God, I have earned my way back into this ring, man. Day by day, by the grace of God, I have earned the respect of my kids again. Day by day, I have earned my life back. And see, Holmes, when I stand across you and I see that across your waist, you know what that symbolizes for me, I say? That symbolizes for me, I'm sorry. That's my way of telling my family, I'm sorry. That's my way of telling my kids, I'm gonna provide a better way of life for them. I'm gonna get the bikes that they wanted. I'm gonna give them a better education. That's my new addiction, home. See, when I step into this ring, yeah, bro, I am addicted. I'm addicted to the high that I get from them. I'm addicted to the high that I get when I go home and I tell my family, hey, I'm doing it. I'm addicted to the satisfaction that I get to tell everybody like you that didn't believe in me, you can stick it up your ass. I'm addicted to the do or die feeling, Holmes, that I'm gonna have this Sunday night at No Way Out. Because you know as well as I do, Holmes, Oh, what a high it is when we're in here, brother. See, but the difference between me and you, bro, is that I'm an addict and I'll do anything and run over anybody that it's gonna take to get that around my waist and get my high and no way out and become the dumb.
end. Eddie Guerrero. And I'm stuck Eddie Guerrero is set to prove there is indeed a way out. A way out of hell. Eddie can do that someday. That's no way out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time. Let me clear my throat here. It is that time once again for another exciting edition, the 52nd edition of the Bakery Podcast. I am your gracious host, Aaron Baker, and today I have a doozy of an episode and a wonderful pay-per-view to check out for you guys, and that is No Way Out. 2004 but before we get into the into that pay-per-view i want to thank each and every one of you guys for listening to the podcast and supporting the podcast in any way shape or form that you possibly can i also want to um uh what i want to do here i also want to recommend you guys go follow my twitch page uh, twitch.tv forward slash bakedaddy95 I know if you have to create a twitch account I understand that you don't want to go through all that process just to create a twitch account that's fine but if you, if you do and you are inclined to do so just make your account it'll probably take no less than two minutes uh, come in and say hello and say how say what you like about the podcast or just come in there just to see me just Kind of shoot the shit, really. Uh, and also another thing that you could do is share, 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 share this out with your friends, share this out with your, f- um, with your family. Do whatever you got to do. Let's make this year, the year of 2021, the biggest year for the Bakery Podcast that we possibly can make it. Now I do want to say right now I started this episode with one of the greatest promos from the late great Eddie Guerrero and honestly it it explains his story on why he is getting the opportunity that he is getting at no way out and man it's just it's just touching you guys have heard me talk about Eddie Guerrero on past podcasts and this moment on this pay-per-view it just comes full circle if you watch the matches that I've that I've said to watch, you're gonna want to really watch this mat, the match between Eddie Guerrero and Brock Lesnar from start to finish, because you are not going to be disappointed. Now, I also want to thank um, you guys for listening. To the last episode. I know some people like to skip around with the uh, music podcast and just listen to the music, and that is absolutely fine. What I do want you to do, though, if I do put music in these podcasts, please go support the artists and you and go buy physical product. That's the best way that you're going to be able to help those artists that I played last week. But without further ado, because I am rambling let's talk about this pay-per-view no way out 2004 took place on february 15th 2004 now i'm going to try to do my best to paint a picture for you guys um when i discuss this pay-per-view i i am honestly not the best at descriptions and trying to describe things to you but i think i did a pretty good job with these notes so here we go. We start the show with a welcome from Tori Wilson and Sable, who honestly at the time at this time were on the club were on the cover of Playboy, and WWE was pushing that pretty hard while these ladies were out here. So after they get a after they get a nice good welcome, and honestly Taz and Michael Cole fawning over the Playboy cover. We get a video package, which I was trying to find to play for you guys at the beginning or right here, actually. But I really couldn't find it. It, uh, Somebody hasn't taken it off of YouTube or 
uh, taking it and put it on YouTube, none of that stuff. So, basically what it is, it's Brock. It's Brock, you know, if you don't know who Brock Lesnar is, you've been living under a rock for the last at least, I don't know, maybe a decade or so. Because Brock Lesnar is a fucking monster. He's a fucking monster. And this video package is basically explaining that Brock Lesnar has been here before. He's been WWE Champion. He's beaten the best of the best. He's beaten The Undertaker. He's beaten anybody that the WWE has put in his path. And then you get Eddie Guerrero, which I think they added parts of this promo that I played for you earlier in this video package. And it basically says that Brock Lesnar is basically another obstacle that Eddie Guerrero has to face in his life. Um, because Eddie Guerrero, I'm going to tell you right now, Eddie Guerrero, before this moment, was not on the best of paths. He was addicted to drugs. As you heard in the promo, he lost his wife, he lost his kids, and he lost himself. Um, and in this era, I forgot that Brock Lesnar had a personality. I'm just going to be honest. This is Brock Lesnar being, I don't want to say being Brock Lesnar, because when I say being Brock Lesnar, people are going to automatically think, uh, Suplex City F5 leave. Well, he didn't, he was more athletic back in, uh, when he started in 2002, and then here in 2004, um... This is where we're going to start to see Brock Lesnar and uh, Bill Goldberg at WrestleMania. That match is what it is because both of the both of those guys were on their way out. The fans knew it, and they weren't just have they weren't going to have it. And, but I'm not here to talk about that match. I'll talk about that match when I talk about WrestleMania 20 um, in either March or April because I do want to cover that show. So. Without further ado, you could... Okay, so... <clears throat> and with this package, you could tell that something special was going to happen to Eddie Guerrero, but you just weren't sure. So match number one, for the WWE Tag Team Championships, it's a handicap match with the Basha Brothers and Shaniqua versus Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati, and those two are the tag champs. All right. So I have to say this. This was an okay opening match, and it's because of the involvement of Shaniqua. I understand the storyline that was there. Shaniqua was at every turn costing Scotty and Rikishi, excuse me, their matches against the Bastion brothers. And I'm going to state this for the record. I'm not okay with man-on-woman violence, period. Not even in wrestling. I understand. Different time, different place. Sort of. It, to me, it's taboo. It, um, we're in a new age now where most women in wrestling today could twist me or anyone into a literal pretzel. They weren't just gaga. They weren't just tits and ass. But this one... And, and I'm going to even bring in the uh, the Impact storyline from last year. Tessa Blanchard winning the Impact World Championship from uh, Sammy Callahan. Again, I understand we're trying to go with women's evolution, but I don't think anybody brought this to a fact or into question uh, when it happened. What is the point of the TNA Knockouts Championship if you're not going to have Tessa Blanchard, who was your top female star at the time, not win the women's championship. Sorry, the knockouts championship. And let me go on a little tangent right now. I think with the women's evolution happening in wrestling today, I think TNA, oh, sorry, Impact Wrestling, needs to get rid of the knockout name and just call it the TNA Women's Division. Because what the fuck, what the f And I'm getting ready to go on a Jim Cornette kind of thing. What the fuck, what the fuck is a knockout? What the fuck is a knockout? When I think of knockouts, I think of boxing. I don't think of women wrestling. 
just saying, and TNA is guilty of having women that are just good looks and not have any wrestling ability too. Now, granted, they've gotten away from that because WWE has been the stand as is being the standard bearer for women wrestling, and they are getting more athletic women into the fold. But the point that I'm trying to make is, why have Tessa Blanchard fight for the men's main championship and not for the women's main championship? If somebody can please explain that to me, or if I'm sounding a little sexist, I don't mean to sound a little sexist, but it's just... It's just... What's the point of having a women's championship if you're going to have a woman fight for the company title? Okay, he, okay, so seeing it here in 2004 was just odd. What I did like, however, was the entertainment factor, which at this time I think this was called either WWE or WWF at the time. I can't remember the timeline of the name change exactly. But man, Scotty Too Hotty was on a different level of entertainment here. The worm was over. The worm was over. You, I mean, when he was getting ready to hit the worm, you heard the crowd go W R. Sorry, I can't spell W O R M. And then Scotty gets hit with a clothesline. I mean, it got everybody hyped, even myself, because I. Watching stuff from like 1997, Scotty, uh, Rikishi, and Too Cool weren't even a thing yet. So the worm wasn't even, you know, around in 1997. When I go back and watch stuff like from the 80s and 90s, and then I watch stuff from a more modernized era of WWE, I kind of I forget that there were certain things like that that were in the business. The finishing point of this match was when Rikishi has Shaniqua ready for a bonsai drop. Now, if you don't know who Rikishi is, he's a big Samoan guy that wore a sumo gear and had a gigantic ass. I mean, a giant ass. And he would stink face people. He would get people onto the bottom, uh, bottom corner, bottom turnbuckle, Start smacking his ass, and you knew exactly what was about to happen. That ass was about to back up and go up someone's and have someone's nose go in it. But he's he's doing the bonsai drop here, um, and uh, the Bash of Brothers are able to uh, power bomb. I think they power bomb Rikishi to the mat. Shaniqua goes for the pin. Rikishi kicks out at two. Shaniqua's got this fucking crazy, like, surprised look on her face. Like, she had it won. Scotty then will take... Scotty Tuhati then takes out the Bastion Brothers. And Shaniqua tries for a clothesline. And Rikishi stops the clothesline. Picks Shaniqua up. And then goes for a Samoan drop. One, two... She eats a Samoan drop. And then Rikishi drags her to the... Um, to the bottom turnbuckle, I think, toward the hard camera, and drops a bonsai drop for her troubles. I gave this match a two and a half out of five, just based on an entertainment factor. It was okay. It was a it was okay, an okay opener, but seeing man on woman violence just doesn't rub me the right right way. Speaking of man and woman, man on woman violence. Match number two was more of the same. It's Nidia versus Jamie Noble in a blindfold match. Again, another example of something that I just don't like in wrestling. But Jamie Noble and Nidia made this entertaining. Now, the story of this is, and I'm surprised that I'm remem remembering all this stuff because I watched this pay-per-view in its entirety on Thursday. The story basically is, is that uh, Jamie Noble has been using Nidia to get the shortcut in his matches. Well, one match in particular where he was taking on Tajiri pulls Nidia in front of Tajiri. Tajiri is known for spitting mist in people's faces. Spits into Nidia's face and Nidia is now blind. Well, Jamie Noble is going to take advantage of this and, you know, do some infidelity, look at other women, pretty much treat Nidia like shit. And... It eventually leads to Nidia 
revealing she hasn't been blind the entire time. She's seen everything that's been going on and drains Jamie Noble dry of his of everything that he's made in storyline. Now, there is a coat in particular, a mink coat that Jamie Noble bought Nydia and he wants it back. Well, Nydia shreds the damn thing with a wood chipper and says, you know, at no way out, it's going to be a blindfold match. So here we are. The in-ring stuff was all right. Nydia just needed some more work because there was a moment where she went to go kick Jamie Noble and it did not connect. I mean, it was at least a distance away. Um, but again, I'm giving Nydia the benefit of the doubt. I don't think she had been wrestling a whole lot at this point. And she just needed to, you know, tune some things, like most people do. Uh, Jamie Noble then, I mean, it was mainly all Nydia just playing, playing jokes and playing pranks on Jamie Noble while he's blindfolded. Now, I want to I say right now, Jamie Noble did not want to put this damn blindfold on before this match got started. But Nydia's going to go up up to the top rope, get ready for a move, and Jamie Noble, with the back, I think the referee's back, no, the referee was looking at Nydia, Jamie Noble pulls off ever so slightly the, um, the blindfold to see where she's at, slams her down on the mat, and pins Nydia, one, two, three, and gets, no, makes Nydia tap out and gets the one, not one, two, three, and gets the submission. I give this match a one and a half out of five stars. So far, we are not looking good with the first two opening matches. Not good at all. So next, we get a backstage segment with Kurt Angle being interviewed by Josh Matthews. And we we see that Kurt Angle, you know, he's he's ready to win this triple threat match between John Cena and the Big Show. And then John Cena comes out and basically tells Angle, hey, I'm not a guy that's going to attack you from behind. If I want to say something, I'm going to say it to your face. And then slaps him, and then they brawl, and then we go back to the ring. So match number three, the world's greatest tag team, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, versus the APA, the Acolyte Protection Agency, with John Bradshaw Layfield, who was known as Bradshaw here, and Farouk. Now, I do want to bring to your attention, if you are watching this, if you're watching this pay-per-view, look at John, look at uh, JBL's hair here. He's getting ready to be that JBL character, that shit heel that got so much goddamn heat. So much goddamn heat. It, the JBL character to me, and I'll cover a match probably with him and Eddie Guerrero. Go figure, right? Or maybe him and John Cena. I'm not sure just yet. But I want I I want to cover a JBL match. And I'm going to post, and I will put a promo that he cuts in the episode, whenever that may be. And you guys just got to listen. It's, some of his stuff is, oh my god, it's brutal. But his hair, his hair isn't black like it had been when he was with the, uh, when he was in his APA run. Um, this def this match was definitely a change of pace, and this is when I started paying attention. Some hard hitting action from both teams, and now this is the stuff. This is the stuff that I like: hard hitting, nonstop action. This match told a story of Bradshaw and his storyline injury of a hurt shoulder. And how in the hell is he going to be able to hit the clothesline from hell? It was a solid match. It was a solid match with neither side really giving any leadway to who is winning. Eventually, though, Bradshaw is going to uh, is going to whip Charlie Haas into the rope. Uh, he's going to come off of another rope. Um, come off the opposite rope and then hit the clothesline from hell. But he is hurting because he hit him with the he hit him with the hurt shoulder. 
And then, so he's he's hurt. But here comes Shelton Benjamin with the super kick, and the world's greatest tag team gets the victory. This match, I gave a three out of five stars. So we're starting to pick up here in the pay-per-view. Next, oh my God, I wrote a lot about this next this next segment. Next is a monumental event. For the last month, on Raw and even at the Royal Rumble, there's been some interaction between either Brock Lesnar and Goldberg or Paul Heyman and Goldberg. Which something at the time I'm pretty sure people were dying to see. Uh but in this day and age, not so I mean, not so much. Knowing what we know now, what happens at WrestleMania, this was this was probably huge. But, you know, knowing what Goldberg and Brock Lesnar are today, I really wasn't as hyped as I should have been. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, at the time, this was probably huge. But looking back at it now, I would totally agree. I would totally agree because the crowd was absolutely into it. At the time, Goldberg was a raw talent and Brock Lesnar was a SmackDown talent. So this interpromotional match was huge for the company and toward this during this era it seemed like the wwe would always have one or two maybe even three matches at wrestlemania that were top notch um just hype wise however as i will cover later in the match it's not what the hype delivered this segment however got everyone excited because it got physical because brock lesnar called goldberg a cowardly bitch. Damn. And the two... So, Goldberg jumps over this barricade. Paul Heyman had told him, Hey, if you jump over that barricade, I'm calling security and having your ass arrested. Now, on Raw, Brock Stone Cold Steve Austin gave uh, Goldberg a ticket to No Way Out and said, Don't do anything that I wouldn't do. So Paul Heyman, this was on Raw, Paul Heyman will take a spear from Goldberg. Then we fast forward to No Way Out, and Goldberg has his front row seat. Heyman is telling him, don't do anything stupid or else I'm going to have your ass thrown out. So here comes Brock Lesnar to poke the bear with a stick. It says, hell, hey, don't do anything Steve Austin would do, right? Starts naming off things that Steve Austin wouldn't do. And then calls Bill Goldberg a cowardly bitch. Well, he called him a bitch, but he also called him a coward and that he was scared. So Goldberg will hop off, hop into, uh, hop over the barricade, go to confront Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman gives a distraction and it gets physical and it gets physical fast. Brock Lesnar will try to go for an F5. Bill Goldberg will reverse. Hits the jack and hits a jackknife on Brock Lesnar. And remember, the main event of this pay-per-view is Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero. So, so while I was watching this, knowing that the main event was here, I'm like, okay, how are they going to play this? Of Goldberg just got into the head of Brock Lesnar. Now, Bill Goldberg is going to be arrested and taken out of the arena. And there's that. So, match number four. This was a let-me-up match, to be completely honest with you. It's Hardcore Holly versus Rhino. Now, Hardcore Holly had a, prob- was, had a problem with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble because Brock had, in, had given him a year-long injury. And... He would come and try to get at Brock Lesnar, yada, 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 to no avail. After what just happened midway through the show, how can you have a match like that? I mean, after after that event, after that little uh, throwdown between Bill Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, this show picks up. This show picks up. Um, I mean, this match was, like I said, a pretty much a let-me-up match. I... 
I didn't really pay attention to it because I was still kind of trying to process everything and write notes. Uh, but it was hard-hitting action. Hardcore Holly wins this match with an Alabama slam, but I got to give it to Rhino, too. He gave it to Hardcore Holly in this match, but it just wasn't enough. I gave this match a 1 out of 5 out of 5. Wasn't really anything doing it for me. Next on the show, we're going to see, we get a vignette for the return of the dead man, the Undertaker, at WrestleMania. And from, and from the, um, from the vignette, it appears to be that Kane is going to be his opponent at WrestleMania 20. I can't remember exactly who, uh, the Undertaker's opponent was at WrestleMania 20. And as I'm speaking to you right now, I'm actually loading up the WWE Network right now, and I'm getting ready to go to WrestleMania 20 so I can get that information to you guys. So if you give me just one moment here, and I will let you know what... Oh, so, okay, so as I look at this right now, it's going to be probably March when I go to... Um, Hold on, folks. When I go and watch this pay-per-view, because it took place on March 14th. All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Where are we at here? Yeah, so it is going to be uh, Kane versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 20. I probably should have known that. So I do apologize for not knowing that. But he return. He's gonna return at um, at WrestleMania, taking on Kane. All right. So match number five, cruiserweight title, Chavo Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, who was the cruiserweight champion. This match was a solid cruiserweight match and a perfect spot for this match too, because the next two matches were heavily, heavy, heavy, heavy driven. On uh, me just focusing. Just give me a second, folks. This was a solid cruiser cruiserweight match as both the men in this match. Um, sorry, it was a solid cruiserweight match as were both of these performers in this match. Rey Mysterio is solid. And as the years have went on, I've started to become a Chavo Guerrero fan, especially when he was a heel with his dad, Chavo Sr. That stuff... Holy shit, was it good. And and you're going to hear as I go on, 2004 was probably one of the biggest years for me in WWE as I watch back um, some of the stuff that's going on here. It just seems like they were hitting on all cylinders, all cylinders. That's a story for another day. Let's continue. I mean, what can I say about this match that hasn't been said before, especially with Rey Mysterio involved? It was a classic match. It was a classic back-and-forth match with some high-flying moves. Even Chavo Sr. getting knocked out by Jorge Baez, which I don't know who. They said that he was a boxer that had knocked out uh, 48 people, and he was in Rey Mysterio's corner. I should have said that. The finish comes after Ray is going to the top rope, and honestly, probably he did the 619 and was getting ready to do his splash. And Chavo Sr. tosses Ray off the top rope. Chavo then rolls up Ray Mysterio, grabbing the tights for the cheap heel victory, and we have a new cruiserweight champion in Chavo Guerrero. He gave this match a 3.5 out of 5 stars, and after the match... We see Chavo cutting a promo in front of his uncle's locker room, basically calling Eddie an addict, and that he's always going to be a loser because that's just what Eddie does, and that Chavo is a winner. All right, match number six. Number one contenders match for the WWE Championship. Winner faces either Brock Lesnar or Eddie Guerrero in the main event of Wrestle. Mania, which I don't think they ended up putting this as the main event. The main event was 
I think the main event was Sean versus Triple H versus Chris Benoit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the main event because it's after uh, Kane and Undertaker. So this wasn't even the main event of WrestleMania. So, but the winner will get to face either of those two men. We got John Cena versus The Big Show versus Kurt Angle. So, let's talk about this match here. Man, what can I say about John Cena and the Dr. Thugonomics gimmick that hasn't been said before? It's just too good. Just too good. And I don't think it was quite over yet due to due to just the crowd reaction alone. I think, I don't know what was going on with the crowd here, but man, John Cena was basically telling Big Show and Kurt Angle that they can swing from these nuts. Um... But man, hindsight being 2020, when John Cena brought this out for a brief period, well, for a brief moment, oh, dude, it got such an ovation. It was it was insane. It's because we were it's because we've been used to seeing the red, green, yellow, blue, purple, orange, black, multicolored shirt, John Cena, big ass baby face, Superman, John Cena. That when we got to finally see the Doctor of Thugonomics after so long, oh, it was just refreshing. And I do, and I do want to say this right now. God, does the WWE miss John Cena? I don't think they were ready for John Cena to quit when he did. To be completely honest with you, you're seeing that in the product now. Um, is that they're not being able to develop stars? Etc. And the storylines are just weak because I'm sorry to admit it, and I'm about to go on another rant. But WWE writing right now sucks. If they would let the superstars under contract be who they want to be, and make it more believable, that's why I believe in Roman Reigns right now. I believe that he feels that he is the tribal chief. I don't need some writer from Hollywood coming in and telling telling my guy. the wrestler that I enjoy watching giving him this shit ass promo that just sounds so forced so forced but man I'm giving credit to where credit is due John Cena was a cornerstone of WWE for over a decade I miss him now more than ever I was on that John Cena hate train and now that he's gone, the a- absence makes the heart grow fonder, as they say. And this match was good. It wasn't great. And it has some great talent in it, for sure. But in my opinion, the way that they were hyping this up throughout the show, it should have been John Cena versus Kurt Angle. Again, I will give respect to the big show for what he's done in the business. Man, he was honestly just a side piece. Yes, he did have those moments in the match where he dominated for a little bit, then got taken down. And uh, moving on, because I can't, I can't think of anything right now. Cena was so close to getting the win here. However, triple threats are tricky because you always have to get you have to you always have to be on your guard and not forget that you have another opponent than the guy that you're facing in the ring. And in this match, John Cena forgot that the Big Show was on the ground. John, Big Show takes out Cena's leg. Kurt Angle ends up tossing the Big Show uh, off off the apron here and puts John Cena in the angle lock. To John Cena's injured knee. He was in a knee brace here. And Cena taps, making Kurt Angle go to WrestleMania against either Brock Lesnar or Eddie Guerrero. I gave this match a three and a half out of five. So here we are, folks. And I wrote a lot about this. 
because it's just that fucking good. Spoiler alert, I gave this match a 5 out of 5 stars on storytelling and action alone. Alright, main event time. WWE Championship match, Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar, who was the champion at the time. This match has everything and everyone stacked against Eddie Guerrero. Nobody thought that Eddie Guerrero, Mr. Addiction, could get over his demons and win the big one. Classic wrestling storyline for a babyface. Let's stack the deck and see how he handles it. As I have stated before, Eddie was and always will be an all-time great. And this match shows that as fact. This match was such a feel-good moment for me, especially after watching so many Eddie Guerrero matches before this one. It just came full circle to me. You watch Eddie Guerrero's match with Rey Mysterio for the WCW Cruiserweight title at Halloween Havoc 1997. And then you go and watch another Eddie Guerrero match from his time from his first couple days in WWE with China and being Intercontinental Champion. Then you watch this match after watching him grow into being the best guy there is on that roster in 2004. To being the man Mr. Latino Heat. Man, he turned it up in this match. Now, I want to switch gears and talk about Brock Lesnar. Because I want to give Brock Lesnar his credit, too. Seeing Brock Lesnar in 2004 and comparing him to modern-day Brock Lesnar, he's definitely changed. I don't know if it's been injuries or if this is Vince telling him, I want... Goddamn, pal. I want you to be a monster. I want you to dominate. I want Suplex City. Or whatever it is. But Brock here was very, very athletic in this era. And it's really a shame that people... Fans today that are always like, Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar. I'm one of those fans. I can't stand Brock Lesnar today. But going back and watching his run from 2002 to 2004, it's such a different light that gets painted on Brock Lesnar. He can be athletic, but again, I don't know if it's been his injuries, the diverticulitis, or what, because I'm not a doctor. But man, let Brock be athletic. Let him have some fun. And in this, and then this era, he doesn't use. He didn't use Paul Heyman a whole lot to do promos. He made his own promos. Now back to the match. This match had me paying attention to everything going on in the ring. And Jesus, you could tell Eddie and Brock had some kind of chemistry. I don't know if it was on a house show loop where they were trying to test the waters and see how this would turn out on camera or what. But man, they left it all in the ring. Guys were throwing everything at one another. False finish after false finish. And it just amped up the drama. The drama intensifies. Now I'm going to paint you this picture. All right. Brock Lesnar has Eddie Guerrero up for an F5. Goes to spin him around for that F5. I don't know if Eddie kicked the referee or what happened, but the referee goes down on a referee bump. Brock Lesnar goes to cover Eddie. There's an obvious three count right there, but the ref is out. Brock is pissed. Brock Lesnar goes to get the WWE Championship to go use it as a weapon. And here we go. And here comes Goldberg with a spear. With a spear. Eddie Guerrero goes... Eddie Guerrero crawls over for the the pin. Brock Lesnar kicks out at two. 
Eddie Guerrero will go take the title as the referee is still down and goes to use it on Lesnar. Lesnar reverses it into an F5, but Eddie Guerrero counters into a spinning DDT on the gold. Covers Brock Lesnar. One, two, three. And Eddie wins the title. Eddie Guerrero wins the title. And the crowd went nuts. Eddie Guerrero went nuts in this celebration. He went to go hug his mom, hug his brother. Oh, man, it was just such a feel-good moment. And that's why I gave this match a 5 out of 5. Both men left it in the ring. Yeah, Goldberg got involved. But man, oh man, I forgot all about that because Eddie Guerrero, for the first time, and I think the only time, unfortunately, is your WWE champion. Now, if this pay-per-view has accomplished anything, it is the fact that in WWE, is the fact that WWE in 04 had the talent to ex to execute some amazing storylines that drew the fans in. And again, this is part of my rant. And that's what they are missing in today's product, in my opinion. The in-ring work is there, but the storytelling is just not there yet. For you guys that are listening right now, I highly suggest watching this pay-per-view just for the main event alone. You can find it anywhere. Just search Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar, No Way Out 2004. I'm pretty sure there's a full match on Daily Motion or wherever you can find. I, actually, you know what? I'm pretty sure WWE has put this on their YouTube page as a full match that you can go watch. It's that monumental. It's such a full circle event, man, and it just had me invested throughout this. And that match especially had me invested the entire match. And that is the first main event that I have been able to watch from start to finish because I was that emotionally invested. Now, I'm, ta I'm not saying I haven't watched a main event on a live pay-per-view before. I've watched those. But going back watching stuff like that. I didn't even watch Sting versus Hogan because I knew how it ended. But I watched Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar and laid everything out on the line. I gave this pay-per-view a 7.5 out of 10. There were some there were some bad spots with the with the uh, handicap match, um, Nidia versus Jamie Noble, which gets the worst match of the night for me, and then uh, you know the kind of the meh match between Hardcore Holly and Rhino. I'm get, I gave that a one and a half, but Nidia and Jamie Noble got the worst match. We already know what my best match of the night is. And there's honestly not much else I can say about this pay-per-view, folks. Being just honest. So, without further ado, that's my write-up for No Way Out 2004. This coming week is Royal Rumble week, and I'm going to be previewing the Royal Rumble 2021. We're gonna, I'm going to give you guys some predictions. I'm going to discuss some things like the uh, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens storyline. Um, Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre, which I know I'm going to give you guys an earful over. Etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm going to discuss who I, who I think is going to win the Rumble, men and women. And it's just going to be a good time. But I also have in the works. I just have to get him when he's not as busy. Andrew Scott Darner contacted me a couple nights ago on Facebook and wanted to do an episode with yours truly 
to talk about his music, talk about what he's doing now, wrestling, and touch on some things that he wanted to touch on but hasn't gotten the chance to touch on yet. But also of note, I have an upcoming episode with a good old friend of mine. I haven't forgotten. We just got to set something up, brother. I haven't forgotten about you. All that and more is coming this year on the Bakery Podcast. My name is Aaron Baker, and you're not. This has been the Bakery Podcast. Ruffalo's not going to have a clue what whatever Brock has in mind. I don't know. What is Lesnar doing? I don't know what Lesnar... Wait a minute! What the hell? Spear! That's Goldberg! Oh my god, where the hell did he come from? What the hell is he doing here? Goldberg just speared Brock Lesnar! Gotta be kidding me! Eddie Guerrero with the gold in his hand! No! Eddie Guerrero measuring Brock Lesnar! The WWE Championship no. is on the line! No, Brock, watch out! Watch your back! Lesnar to his feet! Wake up, have to wake up, ref! Eddie Guerrero measuring the champion. Oh, this for the championship. Shot to the midsection again, and Eddie Guerrero knocked to his knees. Lesnar so smart, so quick. And Brock Lesnar lifting Eddie Guerrero. I told you, Cole. Here it comes, Cole. Bye bye.